0: The Old Testament reading for the day of Pentecost comes from Genesis, the 11th chapter. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words, and as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down, and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus answered him, He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In of
1: our Lord Jesus, amen. Before I turn to the text from Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel and the Pentecost miracle, we have a little tradition here at Good Shepherd on Pentecost Sunday weekend, We turn our cross. You notice the side of the cross facing you now is uh, representing the Lamb of God and also the wounds of Christ. And so from half of the year, the church year in Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Easter, this is all about this life-saving work of Jesus. Pentecost is the other half of the year. And in the Pentecost season, we focus on the life of Jesus as it's manifested in the life of the church by the working of the Holy Spirit through His Word. As you see me turn the cross, you'll notice that the other side of the cross has a different symbol, the Alpha and the Omega, which fits in well with my message tonight because it is through language, through alphabet, that the Lord communicates to us this gift of faith and salvation in Christ. Genesis chapter 11, a few verses that Pastor Adel read a moment ago. The whole earth had one language, one speech. So these people gathered together and said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. God responded in a similar way, Come, let us go down. And there confused their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad, from there, over the face of all the earth. About one-third of all Americans don't believe in God at all, or have serious doubts about his existence. Another one-third, almost another one-third, believe in God, but they struggle in their faith They have a lot of doubts that really have a tendency to cause them to be somewhat distant to God. But God is merciful, God is patient, and He is always working to overcome the lie that He is not real. From the beginning of creation, the Holy Spirit has been at work in this world to overcome the deceptions of the destroyer, and to actively, with God's Word, reach into our hearts and create the gift of faith and to bring us salvation. That work of the Holy Spirit came to a tremendous climax on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover, after the death and resurrection of Jesus. The people in Jerusalem from all over the world were gathering, and it was at that time that Peter rose to speak. More on that in just a moment. But the Holy Spirit not only was poured out on Pentecost, but the Holy Spirit continues to actively work in this same way through the preaching of the gospel to bring salvation to all people. Now let's begin, though, with this problem of doubt. And why is it that some people think that God does not reveal himself? This is what they usually say, the atheists. God doesn't give us enough evidence God doesn't reveal Himself enough for me to believe in Him. And honestly, we Christians could and we should acknowledge that it does seem like God is playing a bit of game of hide-and-seek with us. We find verses like this in the Bible, beautiful verses. These are some of my favorite. And you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29. James 4. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Or 2 Chronicles 15. If you seek him, he will be found by you. The atheist Peter Bogassian said that if he had this sign, it might help him to believe in God. What was the sign? If I walk outside some night and all the stars are organized to read these words, I am God communicating with you, believe in me. And every human being in the whole world witness this in their own native language. This, he said, would be suggestive, just suggestive, maybe, that there is a God. And then he hedges with this. But far from conclusive, as it's a perception, and it could be a delusion. This is part of the problem of people who seek God through their senses and through their brains. Because they cannot trust their own senses, and they cannot trust their own brains. Is God playing hide and seek with us? The answer to that is yes and no. Let me explain. The reason why God is sometimes hard to find and to, to discover is because we refuse to see him through the eyes of repentance and forgiveness. We cling to our sins and as long as we cling to them, we are always going to find it difficult to see God, because God will only allow us at this point in his plan of salvation, God will only allow us to see him through the means of grace, through repentance and forgiveness. Unless you're coming to him in that way, you will never be able to see him or understand him. Now, in Philippians 2.11 and many other verses... We are told that one day God will reveal Himself in all of His glory. And Paul says in Philippians 2, Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. But you need to realize that that's a revelation of judgment. Uh, That's not the same as a revelation of salvation, which we are receiving right now. Yes, one day God will Cause all the stars to be re- rearranged in the world. That, that's one of the things Jesus promised. The stars from heaven will fall on judgment day. But by then it will be too late. For that's a that's a, a revelation of judgment and not a revelation of salvation. God has to hide himself. He hides himself in this way, he hides his wrath against our sin. Isaiah 45, verse 15, one of the most powerful verses about this topic. Truly you are God who hide yourself, O God of Israel, the Savior. See, he hides himself in judgment, but reveals himself for the purpose of salvation. Luther referred to the Latin translation here, Deus Absconditus. And he used this in his argument with the medieval theologians who also were trying to seek God through human reason and philosophy. And Luther said, it will never work. The only way you can find God is through the Holy Spirit, through faith, through repentance, and through forgiveness. Here again, Isaiah 59, verse 2. But your iniquities have separated from you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you. God is not playing a game of hide and seek with us just to play with us. He does this only to save us. He does hide much of his glory. He conceals that for us. His own son came in humble form born of the Virgin Mary and walked among us as a fellow human being and our, and our brother, the very Son of God. But all of that was done to prevent us from being destroyed in the glory of the Lord because God was coming to us for the purpose of salvation. So what does this have to do with the Tower of Babel and with language? How is the mystery of language something that points us to God? Well, this seeking God through repentance is something that Jesus always talked about. He said, let him who has ears to hear, hear. And if you read that in the context, what he always meant by that is, if you're going to hear me to receive forgiveness of your sins because that's the main reason I came, then you'll be able to hear me and you'll be able to understand me. But if you hear me in any other way, you won't have the ears to hear. We teach in the catechism that God reveals himself at least through the creation, through our conscience. We all have this common sense of right and wrong that had to come from God. And through finally the Bible itself. And the Bible is the clearest way that God reveals himself. And the Bible is words. The Bible is language. Language. And this brings me to the mystery of language and why it's so important. The great linguist, one of the greatest of all time, Noam Chomsky, said this, Human language appears to be a unique phenomenon without significant analog in the animal world. Evolutionary scientists have a terrible problem trying to understand the evolution of language. In all other things, they claim there's a gradual process, a development, which is very suspicious as well. There are so many gaps and difficulties in that theory. But in the language department, there's no question at all about this. There's no evidence in the history of this world that there is sort of this development of language. Every tribe, every human group in any place in the entire world has already had a complex language in place. There's no evidence of people with partial languages at all. The human language is complete from the beginning, and it is very complex and amazing. Not only is that a conundrum, but this is another one. Among these human beings on this globe, Why is it that there are 7,000, almost 7,000 human languages? That makes no sense in an evolutionary sense. Languages, that many languages make it difficult along with each other, make it difficult to survive. And if survival of the fittest is the driver of this idea, then why so many different languages? It makes no sense at all. And this is where the Bible comes in and absolutely answers and explains everything perfectly for us. The Bible says there was at one time one language. But God came in and changed all of that. And as you listen to Genesis chapter 11, you heard why. Because the people in, with one language were uniting themselves together to build a city, to build a tower, to make a name for themselves. They were uniting themselves against God for, the, for an evil purpose. And this is the reason why God scattered them and, and confused their languages, so that they would fill the world and multiply as He wanted them to, and not to unite themselves against Him. God had just before this destroyed the world with the flood, but He promised never to do that again in that way. But He still brought other kinds of judgments, and the judgment of Babel was one of these. It was a judgment to prevent evil and to curb it. Never a flood, but others like this, wars and so on, are all part of God's judgments upon this world. And that's what brings us to Pentecost. In Acts chapters 1 and 2, we read about Peter and the apostles waiting in Jerusalem as Jesus had told them, waiting for the outpouring and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when it finally came, there was a loud rushing wind, tons of fire on the heads of the apostles, and Peter went out and preached the gospel in his own Galilean Aramaic language. And miraculously, the mystery of Babel was reversed. People from Africa to Arabia to Rome we're all able to hear and understand. Peter preach the gospel of the forgiveness of sins in the crucified and risen Christ. If we go back to that atheist Peter Bogassian, who asked that if God would arrange all the stars in such a way that shows us that God is communicating to us and if everybody of every language could read the same thing, we have to say, Peter, that already happened. It happened at Pentecost. And not only has it happened in the past, but it continues to ripple forth in the entire world. All of these people, many of them were, were baptized and became Christians. And they went back to their homes preaching the gospel in their own languages. And of these 7,000 languages in the world today, all We already have translated the Bible, or parts of the Bible, into 3,000 of them. That's the ongoing work and blessing of Pentecost. And the driving force for all of that is the human need that everybody has in every part of the world for the forgiveness of their sins and for the gospel of Jesus Christ. No other book comes close to that. Do you know what the most translated book is in the entire world next to the Bible? It's a book called The Little Prince, never read it, translated into 300 languages. Or The Adventures of Pinocchio, translated into 260 languages. That doesn't even come close to the 3,000 translations that we have of the Bible or parts of the Bible. On Pentecost, Peter was building another kind of tower. He was building the tower that Solomon refers to in Proverbs 18. The name of the Lord, he said, is a strong tower, and the righteous run to it and are safe. The name of the Lord, the Bible, the Gospel, that is what finally unites the world together to God in a good way for salvation. Joel, who Peter quotes in his Pentecost sermon, says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so that is the name that is a name that goes across all language barriers in the entire world. I sent an email to our Nigerian friend Emmanuel, asked him how that he would say the name Jesus in his Ososo language, Yesu. In Filipino, Jesus. In Hindi, in Hindi Yeshu. In Russia, Issus. In French, Jésus. And we could go on and on. In fact, you may want to investigate some of that on your own. There's a gift that God has given to us in language. That gift of language is part of the image of God that God has given to us, that we can know God and believe in Him, the invisible God, through invisible language. The Holy Spirit has been preaching the gospel through the prophets and the, pro- and the apostles and even now through us to this world. This isn't a meaningless, lost, empty, misdirected, unguided world at all. But it is a world directed by the word and the will of God for the sake of our forgiveness and for our salvation. When we seek God on those terms, we will find him. He is eager to reveal himself for that purpose. Amen.